Welcome to episode 808 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 808 of I Am Talk with Coach John Euston. He's yawning as I'm saying, and Bevan James Oz. Katie, near near Bevan. Oh, yeah, what does that mean? There's a bit of Tereo there for you. Tereo? I'm a bit tired. Oh, what is it? Katie? Katie, oh, I'm probably going to get the pronunciation wrong. Katie, near near. Katie, near near. Yeah. N G E N G E. How many words do you think you know now? Not a great deal, Bevan, but I know Katie, near near. Katie Pies, Katie, I'm going good. Or Katie, Dino Pies. So Katie means what? Is it me? Mm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> it's basically. I don't know. I, I'm. I am a sort of. Okay. Yeah. I think. Kete pai means what? I'm. I'm good. Oh, Feeling good. So kia ora kato. So kia ora is like hello. Hello. Welcome. Yeah. And kete pai is I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're learning something here today. This yeah. is Maori language for those overseas. John's doing his Maori language. Finish it. Yeah, I've I've graduated with 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 honors. <laughs> Not really. Oh, what an intro to the show! Uh, I talk is proudly brought to you by our awesome patrons. You probably know more Tereo than I do. I'm going to go with Michael Do It Dooley, Dig It Dooley, Dig It. Sorry, Jack Cousteau Lynch, and we got Colin Hungry Like a Wolf Durant. Hungry Like a Wolf Durant Duran, right? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Well done. There you go. Now, child I, 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 of the eighties. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but you know how they got their name. No. Say Andrew, Andrew really fast. Andrew, 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 Andrew. Oh, nice. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. But that's that's what I've heard. It's Bevanism. It's a Bevanism. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it should be a Bevanism section <laughs> of the show. Today's show notes are brought to you by... Uh, endurance Fit, periodized strength and conditioning training for triathletes. And you're going to find out more about that later in the show during our interview. Hmm. And this week's show, we've got some news, we've got a hot topic of the week, we've got an interview. We have with Jenna Carr-Seafried. And she is, what's really cool about her, she's got this app that we're going to talk about very much at the end of the interview, but she's uh, somebody who wasn't into sport at all, struggled with a bit of weight, you know, journey, mm-hmm. uh, found endurance sport and has achieved a pretty high level. Yeah. Um, and so we thought we'd get her on to talk about that stuff, and then she talks a bit about the app at the end as well. Uh, winger of the week and website of the week, and John's, you even put John's swimsuit as a section it's now. made the headlines. Wow. <laughs> wow, 2022 is going to be a big one. Okay, John, results, you've been away for a couple of weeks, so what happened? We had the uh, Israel man uh, on January 28th, that must have been last weekend. Dan Alterman took that out, swam 52, rode a 4.54, ran a 3.09, uh, for a 9.52, um, second place doesn't have a finish time there, but third was in 10.03, so Dan or Ovshinovkov Ovshinovkov was second, and Amit Shakehead was third, and it looks like one um, elite finisher on the female side, Arena Mazin in 12.05, so they have a, they have a half distance there as well, but very tricky course over at the Israel Man. And, uh, and as we were speaking about a few weeks ago, it looks like an amazing race. Yeah. Well run, really professional looking, great course, great supporters, challenging. Yes. Yeah, it looks really challenging. And they're all Israelis this year, given you know, COVID and travel and stuff, yep. so good on them. Hope everybody raced, uh, enjoyed that one. We'll 
also had the Port of Tauranga Half Ironman, one of our sort of pin-up races in New Zealand. Um, we had Rebecca Clark uh, take that out in 4.15 in front of Simone Ackerman and Deb Fuller. And on the boys' side, you had Braden Curry um, win it by about three minutes over Jack Moody, who's had a really fast a run. run. Split. Yeah, he's a really solid runner. And Sam Osborne, who's a very good exterior athlete in third. So The feedback I got was the swim was quite slow. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, that does look a yeah. little bit on the slow side. Yeah. yeah, it was quite a tough swim day. Um, so that's the racing. That's, that's all that's been happening. Not much else coming up at the moment. Who knows? Might be a bit of stuff in Australia. When do you think we'll find out about Ironman New Zealand? Uh, it's by February <coughs> the tenth. Um, we'll find oh, out. Oh, is it yep. next week? Yep. Okay. Good times. Oh, it's the first day. It's the first fib. First fib. Pinch and a punch. Oh, <laughs> too far away for you to get me. Uh, okay. Uh, other news: the PTO today announced that the first ever stateside PTO tour event, the PTO US Open, in partnership with the US Triathlon, USA Triathlon, and Dallas Sports Commission, and the city of Irvine on the Irving in 17th and 18th of September in Texas. Yeah, so this is cool. Uh, so we knew this was coming in terms of the US Open. Um, things I like about this is mainly the timing. So it's going to be on the 17th and 18th of September, yep. which is around about three weeks out from Kona. Um, When's the Collins Cup? Collins Cup was more in the middle of the season. Uh, so I, th- I think it was August, wasn't it? But they moved it, did they? Yeah, who knows? I mean, I don't know. It might be different. Go, you go, go to yeah, go Cup. check that out. Actually, um, no, I can tell you that now. It's going to be on the twentieth, twenty first of August. That's the next thing in the show notes. Oh. Um, but the cool thing is, with that being September, three weeks out from Kona, good timing. Normally, you'd have the seventy point three worlds about that time, sort of three to five weeks out. But they're actually got the seventy point three worlds this year is going to be post Kona, so it works well. I got a question for you, John. I don't know if you have the answer, but Collins Cup, you've got to qualify to get there. Yes. Or be picked. Yes. So that's how you, and each, and how many was it in each team? Uh, eight, I think it was. Yeah, okay. Eight or nine. So then when we got like the US Championships, the Canadian Twelve. Championship, Twelve. the Asian and the European, yeah. what's what's the process there? Uh, you've got to be ranked high, high enough and then they'll have wildcard uh, picks as well. And is it going to be ran like a Collins Cup or is it just? No, I think it's like, I, I believe, or I think it's like top 40 or, 50 or something okay. like that um, qualify. Maybe it's 40 and then there's 10 wildcards or some, something like that, but it's based off the PTO rankings. Okay, so basically outside of the Collins Cup, you're going to have four races a year where you're going to get the 40 of the top pros. Hmm. Um, and they can race all of them. They're not just specific to their location. Hmm. Uh, and then the Collins Cup will be when you've got the elite of the elite, man yeah. and man. Okay, cool. So it's going to be good times. Uh, it also fits in fairly well with the World Triathlon calendar um, because um, yeah, it just fit, fits in, but I don't know how many of those athletes would qualify because again these um, races will be rankings based so I think they're going to draw awesome fields you know that you got to think a there's a million dollars on the line and when you're racing in awesome fields that's going to help your point scoring and then that'll go into that end of year bonus so mm. there's quite a few reasons why you'd want to race and most of the top athletes they thrive on racing the best fields. You know, there's there's some athletes who go around cherry picking. You know, yep. you've got to make a living. Um, but most of the top athletes want to go head to head regularly. Well, and when the money's there, the money's there, and the distance isn't that demanding because mm-hmm. you're only doing 18k of running. Yeah, and you timing know. is great. Yeah, so so they've actually done pretty well and have thought about this. One thing that they have announced also is that Challenge Family will be the local organizer for the committee for to deliver the second annual Collins Cup on the 20th and 21st of August uh, at the Biodome or Ex Bionics Fair in Slovakia. So 
So it's good to it's going back there, a bit, a bit of consistency. Um, we all know, I, I really enjoyed watching it last year. I know you were sort of ho-hum about it, um, but I Tell really... Us what you th- okay, so we're going to go to this bit now. Oh, no, we, no, we'll go to that later. It's the okay. website of the week. Uh, so I think it'll be good. They'll do it. Heaps better job in terms of coverage next year. Hopefully they don't get a, a storm going through. I wasn't um, ho-hum. Just settle in. I was just more... Because I, I, was, I, was, I was really curious to see, would non-triathletes like it? Mm. And I didn't think they got that. Mm. You know that was that was my issue with. It. I, I enjoyed watching it. Mm. I watched a lot of it, mm. and it was you know it was it was interesting um, as a triathlete. I'm mm. like into it, but you know if if this kind of PTO is going to really make it work, they've got to make a product that works for Joe Public. Yeah, so you know? okay. yeah, but uh, it's going to be there again this year. I mean, there's announced a new race that's happening in Africa in Rwanda, well, the seventy point three. This is bizarre. I don't. We get emails all the bloody time from Iron yeah. Man about different seventy point threes popping up all over the place. So I usually mention it if it's an Iron Man. Um, but I was just intrigued. They're going to Rwanda in Africa. If, for those in the movie, sorry, Hotel Rwanda. Have you seen that? I think I it's have. Like a coup or something. Yeah. It's got, um, well, there was that huge John Don Cheadle in it. Genocide and sort yeah. of the mid nineties, and like half a million to a million people got, um, you know killed because of genocide and I just think it's crazy that we're, we're now having triathlons in Rwanda so it looks like a, a nice place to go I've never heard of anybody going to Rwanda but there's going to be a 70.3 there in August this year so if you want to go to Africa and in fairness it it, obviously I men have done their work like it's obviously safe like John and I speaking as total peasants here who know nothing yeah um, obviously it'll be safe and obviously it'll be roll around and um, it'll just be crazy to see how much of a field they, they get there you know there's a lot of triathletes in South Africa and I imagine there's others scattered around um, have, you been yeah. to, have you been to Africa? I've been to South Africa yeah what was it like? Um, yeah it was a little intimidating at times was it? Yeah. in what way? <laughs> well, I was just a bit naive and uh, <laughs> it just sort of rocked up probably did a few things and went to places I perhaps was uh, I wouldn't say my life was in danger yeah. but you certainly feel a bit uh, uncomfortable a bit unthreat yeah, yeah. So that was good though. Oh, this was, that's right. It was your first triathlon. Yeah, for first Ironman. First yeah. Ironman, that's right. You went in the race. I remember the story. <laughs> I was. <laughs> off the front. Got nowhere. Uh, okay. Well, unfortunately, in New Zealand, we are about to be hit with homochrome. For those, you know, for those overseas, New Zealand's had it really good with this whole COVID thing. But in the last moment, homochrome has hit the country. It's, it's, we've kind of day one in the whole scheme of things, but it looks like the next six weeks are going to be pretty smashed. Which unfortunately means New Zealand races are being cancelled and Challenge Wanaka is one of the first to go. Yeah, they were first out of the blocks pretty much in terms of uh, triathlons cancelling. Um, Ironman are waiting till February the 10th to make their announcement. Pr- pretty unlikely, I would think. They'll, they'll have to get pretty innovative. It's definitely doable, but it's more the look, I think, uh, that if there's... Uh, if they try to have like a thousand people in Torpor, um, it's probably not going to look great. And from a commercial point of view, don't know where they want to go there. Hope they hope they can pull something off. I've, I've got a bunch of ideas on what they could do, but like what? I'm not quite sure. Well, you, I, you, I'd probably get rid of the 70.3, as tough as that is. I know a lot of people train really hard for a 70.3, yep. but there is other opportunities to do that. Most of those athletes have probably already raced this season. Yep. Um, whereas Ironman, it's your one opportunity yeah, to totally. do it. Uh, so I would probably do that. Then you just figure out everybody's sort of predicted time, stagger it out, break it into groups of 100 because that's our main ruling over here. You can only have groups of 100 and you could probably stagger it in such a way to spread it out through the day to make sure there's sort of minimal crossover, but mm, don't know. It is really tough. For example, I'm, I'm coaching a guy at the moment and, and, and this is, he, he got in contact with me last year and he's like, I've got one chance in my life to do an Ironman. 
and and, and I said to him, mate, because he's he's a he's an ultra runner, so he's you know he's a, he's a really good runner. And I said, look, and he'd done one years ago, and I said, well, a it's gonna be really tough, it's gonna be hard on the thing. Like, I sold the real honest story. Yeah. And about it's about three weeks ago, my wife's really struggling. I said, mate, I told you, <laughs> <laughs> get those family credits. <laughs> um, but he's 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 like the ultimate athlete to train because he just does everything. He, he does everything you want. Hits every objective. He's the um the race a couple of weeks ago smashed it. I really trust he's going to perform on the day, mm. but this is the only chance he's going to get, mm. like because he's a very high level business person. So after this moment, th- there's probably never a chance for at least twenty years in his life where he's going to get it again. Mm. And we've talked about he's probably going to do a solo Ironman probably mm. on the day. And I imagine there'll probably be a few people who go and do it solo because yeah. um, he's, he's just going to get this opportunity. But it's just such a bugger. Mm. And I know the rest of the world's been through been through this yeah. you know, for a couple of years, so just kind of sucks. But anyway, I think it's because something can happen, but. I kind of get both sides of the story. Okay, the discussion of the week a couple of weeks ago was, what are your favourite triathlon YouTube channels? We didn't get a huge amount of answers, but we got some. Yeah, we got some. I thought we'd, we'd get more. Um, a lot of them were repeating this, the same ones, so there's definitely some some favourites out there. You're far away first. Okay, Vicky Jones has got that triathlon life. Uh, Lionel Sanders and uh, Mikey Eden. So that triathlon life is, uh, and now I'm going to get a bloody brain block and... Um, Paula Finlay and her partner Eric Lagerstrom. Okay. Um, so yeah, they they kind of live. I don't really watch it, but they live their life in a camper van, or when they're on the road, they're on in a camper van. Okay. And, and uh, yeah, have so we interviewed them. Sorry, have we interviewed them. No, we haven't. Uh, do you, do you, oh, okay. Um, we go. I've got Lucy Francis. I enjoy watching the GTN. So it's a global triathlon channel, uh, global triathlon yeah, network, full of tips um, for all levels delivered with good humor. So there's GTN, which is global triathlon network, and there's GCN, which is global cycling network. Both of them are really good. Uh, Robert Daniels has got, I agree, che- uh, Chelsea. <laughs> what do you rate? I looked at this one before. So this is someone who's posted randomly and posted it on the wrong page. Oh, what do you mean? It's just some random thing. It has nothing to do with triathlon. Oh, let's, okay, let's read it out. <laughs> That's part of the reason I never went with the whole 12 program business. Religion as well. It's all about having a disease that's not your fault. I mean, the steps even say you have reached a point where you can't manage and that you should turn yourself over to the higher power because obviously you cannot do it yourself. Screw all that. I made this mess and now I'm going to fix it. Well, yeah, I don't so know what happened there. <laughs> and uh, we had, yeah, Chelsea Larson then replied, not sure how this ended up on this post. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, by the by. Uh, down the bottom, I'll go Richard Hargraves, Sam Long for his unmatched enthusiasm. He definitely uh, keeps people entertained. See, uh, Bell Fong's got cupcakes of cow. He doesn't really do them now, does he? Don't think so. Oldie but a goodie. George Samuel says Joe Skipper, Triathlon Dan, who I haven't heard of, and they're, they're probably his two favourites. Mick Simpson's got, um, there was one with two age groupers called Jenna and Miguel out of the US. A lot of talk of triathlon food and balance work worth trying to break out into the ranks of being a lower tier pro. Last one I'll do, David Rose is Team Charles Barkley, so it's Lucy Charles Barkley, it's good, along with others already mentioned, like that triathlon life and Joe Skipper. Uh, I'll go with Michael Kennedy, Lionel Sanders, professional triathlete, Joe Skipper, Ari Cool, I'm going to say, that triathlon life, Sam Long, and some of the others that we've already mentioned. And one last one I'll do, Matt Charlton, he's also said Joe Skipper, um, but he says, not a triathlete, but Alec Dowsett is also really good, just feels real and relatable with a lot of interesting aero talks. And Matt, uh, Alex Dowsett is a GB cyclist. Do you watch many triathlons? No, I'm not a great consumer. Um, however, I would say um, P- 
PTO has got lots of awesome content on there. Yep. Um, some one in particular we didn't think was that great, but we'll <laughs> talk about that in a moment. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then also some stuff on the World Triathlon channel, but a lot of those ones are just short little one minute clips. And you like watching racing, don't you? Yeah. You yeah. know, you tend to but, watch racing when you're training. Yeah. Um, but I'm not at the moment not really doing much indoor training, so not not watching a great deal. To be honest, I don't really watch any triathlon stuff. Mm. Yeah, just racing when yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not, not really. I don't really go on YouTube to watch it. Mm. Like I'll just watch it where it is. Um, if I go on YouTube, I tend to watch business stuff mm. like gurus and business because you know that's kind of where a lot of my focus is nowadays. Or music. If you mm. like music, here's my music tip: mm-hmm. Rick Beato. Which, if you like music, you probably know who this guy is. He's awesome he's a he's a genius uh and he does a series called what makes this song great and he gets great songs and he just shows you what the musician's done throughout the mm-hmm. song and just breaks it down highly recommend it rick piero is an absolute star so i really like his work okay john this week's was sent through by chan and he's got here with the recent announcement of the partnership between the pto and the challenge family for the collins cup to stay at the x bio bionic sphere is there a risk that there is a perception that Challenge and PTO are too closely intertwined and it becomes an us versus them pitted scenario with the PTO versus and Challenge versus Ironman? There you go. Yeah, it is interesting. Oh, well, I look forward mm, to talking yeah. about this one because I have my thoughts. Website of, of the week. week. Okay, John. Uh, tell me about it. OutsideTV.com. And the reason is because it has the coverage of the Collins Cup, which was the package. No, 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 it doesn't. Oh. No. Oh, why are we here? Uh, it has coverage of the 70.3 World Championships, oh, okay. which was held in St. George. But it's also got coverage of a lot of other sports on there. Uh, it seems to me to be all free because I watched the Collins Cup the other day. But lots of other things. You and know, the Collins like, Cup was on here? Sorry, I watched the 70.3 okay. World Champs on here. Yep. Um, but there's lots of other sort of extreme sports or outside sports on here. So if you are stuck inside on the trainer, it's just another one you can watch. Enjoyed the coverage of the, col- uh, of, <laughs> of the up, 70.3 mate. World Champs. Why? Uh, because they made it a story. It was kind of like a Kona coverage. Yep. You know, they had the special interest stories, which were bloody good. And What were they? Uh, one guy's got um, ALS and uh. he's yeah on his last legs probably yeah. uh so that was very sad but just good good stories it told a story you know it, 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 st george looks like an awesome place to race with the scenery and so on and yeah it was kind of it was kind of like coverage but but i enjoyed it uh so it was all it was all good so yeah, let's yeah. be honest they know the formula here mm. you know this is their bread and butter so the, but it, it, it's like kind of coverage it's you know it's good for triathletes but it's more for general public and it tells a story so really like that lots of other content on there if you're into outside sort of sports and if you're stuck on the trainer so check it out outside tv.com um but it really did show a contrast because i i did two trainer sessions over the last two weeks and on the other one based off your recommendation bevan of saying that the collins cup coverage it was what was it called it was called the birth of the collins cup it was like an hour package an hour package and i said my view was haven't got this right yeah and i watched it and was thinking oh bevan doesn't know he's talking about it'd be great because i really did enjoy watching the collins cup but it was just a highlights package and they missed an opportunity didn't they yeah and it didn't tell a story and i thought they could have done better here because their market there it's not you're not trying to produce an iron man type coverage because it's not for joe public i think it's more should be pitched at the sporting market. Yep. So, and it just didn't really tell a story. It was just a race highlight. So I was like, oh, 
I would have, I would have liked to have seen you know a bit of a story about the bionics sphere. You know how that's all come about, the area that they're racing in, and the build up and the history. Well, the rivals, of sport. like the, the two who are hitting each other, didn't yeah. really tell enough about uh, why they hated each other. It just and it was just put together. Like I reckon I could have done it on um, yeah, iMovie. Yeah. Because it's just highlights, and there was no voiceover. There was just using all the in-race commentary. There was nothing in between. So yeah, missed an opportunity there. Which well, the was reason a bit I, the reason I'm concerned, not concerned. PTO's got a big bucket of money, mm. so they've got plenty of time to figure this stuff out. But when we interview them, they say we want to be the four, the five events they put on a year. They want to be on the news. Mm. You know, they want it to be like the. They did make the news over here. Yeah, come on. Yeah, but do you think they made it on ABC in America? Mm. And um, and the only reason it wasn't because Braden won. Yes. Yeah, if Braden had won, they wouldn't have. Yeah. Because New Zealanders, Kiwi news. If Kiwi does well, we'll tell you about it. Yeah. <laughs> if not, we don't give a crap. Um, but what am I saying? So, if they want to get to that point, they've got to create a better package. Mm. Yeah. That. Yeah. It was disappointing. Um, so it was just odd because everything else they do is great. Yeah. It was just odd. I was like, oh. I thought, I, and I'd said this all along. I said, wait till the one hour highlights package comes out. I reckon that's going to be awesome. And I was like, oh. Yeah, okay. Did you say Bevan was right? Bevan was, was, was right. I still watched it though. <laughs> well, the, 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 that was the disappointing thing. The, the, the one they sent before the Collins Cup, which had like Sanders and the storytelling. Yeah. That was sensational. Yeah. Now, I know Sanders is a great character, but even the other characters they t- used within it, they got it right. You know, mm. like they, they showed like um, the vulnerability, but also a little bit of confidence with Sebastian. Mm. You know, you, they, they did it really well. And that was really stimulating watching, which anybody who wasn't into the sport would have watched and go, wow, that's a really cool thing to watch. Mm. Collins Cup is a day, it's going to be a hard sell to Joe Public, unless they do get to that point where it is you know the general public really cares but also the package yeah needs hmm. improvement needs yeah. improvement okay well that's a good okay john we're going to interview we have here comes jenna car seyfried she's right now okay right our team uh we're talking a whole bunch of topics today uh with our interviewee we're talking sort of a bit of age group excellence uh triathlon coaching with mx endurance um strength and conditioning coach uh so today's um interviewee has a bit of it all she's also got uh she's a mum uh, and she's also worked in the corporate world so hopefully you guys will learn a bit from her as well as qualifying for kona world championship eight, um, medalist so jenna car seafried welcome along to the show well, I have to say you guys have me blushing a little with that intro. Thank you. I'm very happy to be on the show. It's all facts. It's, it's all, all facts. <laughs> um, so you've got a bit of an interesting story and a lot of our listeners, myself included, you know, come from a, you know, come from a sporting background, always sort of been involved in sport and transitioned into triathlon from one sport or another. But um, you've had a slightly different background, you know, coming from, from not doing anything by the sound of it. So tell us a bit about your story and where you sort of came to and and how that sort of evolved into you becoming a triathlete. Sure. Yeah, it's been a bit of a wild ride, but definitely a fun one. So I started off, I never played sports as a kid. I was kind of the chubby band geek in the corner, super shy and quiet, (laughs) whole different life to now. But Mm. yeah, it was actually once I started working in the corporate world where I'd always been kind of chubby, but I started gaining weight very quickly, just, you know, going out for beers after work and hanging out with coworkers and Um, I remember very clearly one day where I noticed I had stretch marks on my thighs just from gaining so much weight so quickly. And that was kind of that point in my head where I was like, something has to change. I can't keep going down this path. 
So it was actually that day I went and went to my local, like the nearest gym to my work. And they happened to be doing a weight loss competition starting the next week. And I'd always been competitive. I just sucked at sports and never played them. So mm-hmm. when I heard that competition side of it, it's like, let's, let's give this a try. See if, see if this will work for me. And first place was a trip to Vegas and I'd never been there. So I figured why not just <laughs> jump all into this and see what we can do. Um, and yeah, from there, I ended up losing about 30 pounds during the competition and then an additional 20 afterwards. And uh, what I found was I really struggled to keep the weight off after that. It was what I looked like just wasn't enough motivation to, you know, keep eating healthy, showing up at the gym. So I would gain and lose 30 pounds every year, just going hard, completely shut it down and go back to eating some crappy foods again, playing pool at the pub and <laughs> It, uh, it wasn't until I found endurance sports that things really turned around for me. It was actually, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. So, so what you're saying is that you actually needed to find a movement you loved mm-hmm. for you to find consistency. Absolutely. Yeah, I needed to find a different motivator. Just that appearance wasn't enough for all the hard work that went into staying healthy and eating healthy. Yeah, so it was um, when I found endurance sports was actually moved down to a small town in Texas just with work. And I had to wait about six months for a work visa. So I was just desperate to get out and meet people and talk to other people and was looking for something to kind of help keep the weight off. And I joined a running club down there and I hated every step of running for the first couple months. I just did not like it, but it got me out of the house and talking to people. So that's what kind of kept me going along there. And yeah, from there, all the runners were doing this local 5K and again, that kind of competitive nature kicked in and did that first race and absolutely got hooked. It, yeah, it was so much fun just being in the midst of that competition, really pushing and seeing what my body was actually capable of. I found that so motivating to just, I never thought I could run a 5K, never mind race a 5K. So that's when my perspective really started to shift and I started to get into endurance sports. You didn't uh, really follow the patented John Newsom three-year plan to, to sort of do Ironman. So your, your first triathlon was a half Ironman, I believe? It was, yeah. So um, I have a really bad habit of jumping all into things. And from that first 5K, about 10 weeks later, I did a half marathon and then was training um, 100 kilometer weeks trying to do a marathon. And ended up with a pelvic stress fracture. Yeah. So <laughs> not, not a good loading strategy, but hey. No, no, not so much. <laughs> I didn't know how much I didn't know. And at that point yeah. it was like, well, everyone's running more, so I gotta run more. Can't it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was from that injury where the kind of cycling and swimming was recommended as cross training. And I yeah, decided to give that a try. There was a local uh, sprint triathlon that was happening in town. There was one triathlon in this town every year. So I figured, you know what, why don't I give something like that a try? I'd finally been able to start running again, had been going on the spin bike. I swam my first ever length in a swimming pool, which was terrifying at the time, had to hold on to the lane line halfway across. But um, eventually, yeah, so signed up for that first race and really, again, got into the training pretty heavily. And I found out there was a half Ironman happening about a month sooner than that sprint triathlon. And in my head, I figured I probably won't die. So why not give that a try instead? So I went for the 10 weeks from starting triathlon to uh, half Ironman and see how it goes. And what was the experience like in the first race? 
I had a major panic attack in the open water. It was my first time in a wetsuit and in open water. Midland, Texas, there's not a ton of open water swim opportunities. But um, yeah, but at that point I had been, I had just been so focused on this goal and it was such a a terrifying, exciting challenge that I managed to kind of push myself to get through that swim and get through the race there. And again, just that motivation of seeing that I was actually capable of something like that. I got absolutely hooked on triathlon after that race. I was all in. Can we just take a step back? You know, because you talk about how when you first started with the running club, it was kind of like the social engagement and, and a bit of purpose of something in your day, but there was no the enjoyment of the movement. What was the key that actually took it to that point where you actually started to enjoy the movement when, you know, that became something that yeah. you didn't want to miss in your day? I think it was... I kind of eased into it as I kept going and kept going there to show up to talk to other people. Eventually the running started to feel less awful as I went, but it was definitely that first 5k, that race. Once I had that taste of the competitive nature of it, that's what really sucked me into it. Just, it was so motivating to see that my body was capable of so much more that my mindset kind of shifted around the running. And as someone who never saw, you know, kind of had a negative self-perception around exercise, was it like to suddenly be shifted to the other side of that? You know, that it actually took me a long time to kind of wrap my head around for the longest time, even after having success in triathlon and winning races, I still struggled for quite a while with this imposter syndrome because I always saw myself as that not athletic kind of, I shouldn't be able to do this stuff. I don't have the background. I have no reason to expect that I should be able to go to an Ironman. Um, it took me quite a while to just kind of, shift my mindset to no you're you're putting in the hard work you're seeing the results from it so obviously it's working so you've you've actually earned um these results and this this fitness um and then yeah once i kind of saw that i was capable of so much more it just kept me so much more motivated and what was your athletic progression like um in terms of you know that first race it sounds like you went pretty hardcore and you probably carried on being hardcore <laughs> um but uh, qualifying for for kona and, and winning these other races so maybe talk us through how long that took and and what the progression was like sure so i ended up doing my first ironman uh just over a year after that first 70.3 um i actually i signed up with a coach fairly early on because I realized how little I actually knew about the sport and what was going on was hugely, hugely helpful, just kind of sidestepping any potential issues or overtraining and injuring myself again. And that first Ironman actually went really, really well. I ended up getting a third at Ironman Kelmar, and it was one of those races where I was, I had definitely jumped 100% in the training, go all out. I'd moved to actually Aberdeen, Scotland. So I had some nice training grounds there. And um, yeah, that race actually haunted me for a while because I there was a malfunction with my seat post screw. So I rode the last like 30 miles with my seat slammed to the bottom, knees up to my chest. <laughs> and I spent about 10 minutes on the side of the road trying to fix it and get it back up there and missed out on a Kona spot that first race by 12 minutes. So it was one of those that was hugely motivating to keep going after that, but it was one of those just so close. It almost hurt, but no, it was, um, again, and I keep down that path and 
like I said, I just have a bad habit of kind of going all in. So I was definitely doing a fair bit of training and kind of working my lifestyle around that, um, which luckily I was in the position to do at the time. That's when I also started working as a strength and conditioning coach. Um, we had moved to Scotland and I knew I was going to be there for under a year. Mm-hmm. So I decided I was going to try to follow my passion. A you know, strength and conditioning coach changed my life through the weight loss and just realizing that I was capable of so much more. So I wanted to try to help others do the same in there. I'm, I'm always interested. Um, I said earlier on in the intro, you know, in terms of the mindset of a, an athlete who, and, and you're, you're in that position now where you've been going hardcore for a while. And I would definitely consider you to be, you know, at the elite end of the, of the age group racing when you're qualifying for Kona and so on and, and getting medals and winning races. What do you think for, for, for a lot of the listeners, they'll be in that similar position. They've been in the sport for a long time. What's the difference in terms of the way you think now as to when you first started and, and, and maybe try to give people who are hardcore athletes an understanding of what, what newbies go through? <laughs> yeah, that was, I think that's one way that I'm really able to relate with a lot of the athletes I coach is because I did start from kind of square one, like I said, just having to stop halfway through the lane uh, swimming for the first time because I didn't really know what I was doing too. It took me two weeks to clip into my bike pedals for the first time because I was <laughs> yeah. so terrified. <laughs> I had my bike for two weeks before I actually attempted it. Um, but when I started out, it was a lot of just a lot of fear. This was something so new, not only from the sport and training perspective, but triathlon is a lot. It's a very complicated sport where there's so much information out there. It can be super overwhelming. And going into races in the beginning, it was really just that question of, can I even finish this? There was no thoughts of really placing your podiums or anything at that time. It was just, can I make it through a swim bike run without having a panic attack crashing or crawling to the finish line? Um, But once I started to get some good results and started to see through the training, especially that I really was capable of more. And that's something I really credit my coach with as well. There was a lot of focus on the mental aspect and kind of believing that you are capable of more. And I think it, everything has to start there. If you don't think that you can be competitive, you're, you're not going to be able to, you're going to crack when things get hard in the race. Uh, but as I started to see through the training, what I was actually doing there and this started to get some of the race results, that's when my mind sh- mindset started to shift to thinking, okay, well, I've done this. How, how much faster can I go? If I switch this, can I, can I go a little bit harder? Am I capable of a little bit more? And just growing confidence through the training and the race results um, was able to shift that perspective to going into a race and thinking, I, I think I can win this. And that took a number of years to get to that point. What about on race day? How, how, do, you, how, how do you perform so you can't be someone who actually performs, if you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, race day is always tough. I still get a fair bit of nerves, uh, especially I've never been entirely comfortable in the open water. So that's always my biggest struggle is just my thought is just get through the swim and go from there. But over the years, I've, I've gotten better through, I wouldn't call it structured meditation or anything like that, but just learn some techniques to try to calm myself the night before races so that I actually get some sleep, which I find is huge. Mm. Um, and I find I've gotten better at just kind of controlling those nerves. So race mornings now I'm fairly calm and relaxed and kind of approach races as I'm going to go out there and see what happens. I've got a vague idea of what I want to do, what power and pace I want to hit, but I'm not tied to anything there. It's just like, let's see how the day unfolds. And whatever I have, if I'm at 50%, I'm going to get a hundred percent of that 
50 and just see what I can do. And it's, it's kind of, I see it as an adventure every time. So there's a little less pressure that way. Um, and maybe just talk us through your build up to when you qualified for Kona. I think that was in Cork, which might've been uh, 2019. And I know you probably, the the day was, I remember that day was horrendous because there was no swim. And I remember Alistair Brownlee, um, won that race and it sounded like the weather was horrendous and the course was pretty (laughs) tricky. So run us through maybe the build up to that event and and what training looked like on a, on a sort of weekly basis. And and we'll maybe talk a bit about the Kona experience. Yeah, definitely. So that was actually uh, my second Ironman. I did the first one fairly early on. And then after that, took a few years off to have my son start my family and everything and get into the coaching. Um, So with Cork, I'd had some good results before with the world championships. And I decided I wanted to actually like go all in in an Ironman and see if I could qualify for Kona because that was a huge motivator very early on in my triathlon career. Just that was the top of the top, this iconic and I've been very, I loved your guys' legends, the triathlon podcast and stuff, because I was so fascinated hearing stories from the pros and other age groupers of how almost mythical this island was. So that was a huge motivator for me to actually be able to experience that. And Ironman Cork, oh, that was just the best race. So because I came later to sport, I find I don't have the top end speed of a lot of um, the high level kind of age group athletes. 70.3 and shorter, I'm okay at, but as it gets longer, I'm kind of more of a diesel engine, so I can just not slow down. So I went into Cork because it was such a tough course. It had some crazy elevation uh, during the bike, and they called the run flat, but it was not flat, Um, (laughs) and starting off with an ocean swim. So um, I went out there, and we started to see that the weather was going to be pretty sketchy um, from fairly early on, so they were calling for you know, 30 to 35 kilometer an hour winds. It was supposed to be 10, 11 degrees and just pouring rain the whole day. And it was funny because I remember race morning, it kept getting delayed and there was no shelter or cover or anything. We weren't allowed mm-hmm. to change tents. So we spent about three hours just sitting out in the rain. Really? Um, this, yeah. wow. oh, it was brutal. <laughs> uh, luckily I had a great homestay family that gave me like this dry robe to <laughs> stay in while we were waiting. Um, but it was funny because race morning, I was sitting there and we finally had to get ready to go. And they started us in a time trial start. So we all just lined up in a massive line. And at that point, you had to take off all your gear, except whatever you're going to be racing in. And I was on that start line, shivering uncontrollably at this point and just soaking wet. And it was then that I thought, this, this is my race to lose. Like I was so excited because the conditions were just brutal. And I had been training in early season in Canada. So I'd been hailed on, rained on, snowed on. I was like, okay, these are prime conditions for me. Um, the harder the race is, the better I seem to do. So I was stoked to see that race morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just, it was crazy conditions all day. And I just remember kind of smiling through it because I knew how to dress for those conditions. I knew how to pace myself in those and how to feel for it. So it was definitely a really challenging race, but I just, I love the hard courses. And then it was funny. I didn't find out I'd qualified for Kona until about a half hour after the race. Um, Because in my age group, there's only one Kona spot. So you have to win or you're out. Yeah. And I had this awesome homestay family that had put me up. And when I came off the bike, they said to me that I was in second. And, um, and that third was like a few minutes behind me. Right. And so the next couple updates they gave me, they gave me time splits. And I thought they were telling me, that third was coming up on me 
not that I was coming up on oh, okay. first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at like 10 kilometers to go, they told me 130 down and closing. So I thought they meant that third was 130 down and closing on me. And then the last 5K, they said 30 seconds. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I've not come this far to go like get third again. So I just, I have never suffered as much as I have in the last 5K of that race. Um, just pushed myself to my absolute limits, kind of collapsed across the finish line and went into the change tent and was just, like frozen, couldn't use my hands really to open anything up so I was just kind of sitting there shivering where there was some hot soup and finally after about a half hour I got to my phone and got a text message from my husband saying like I asked um was I second or third he goes you won and I burst out crying <laughs> like uh-huh. it was just the emotion the buildup I had wanted it so bad for so long to actually have it happen was just unreal yeah it's very cool. good and I uh, had a kind of guy Kona was race-wise, eh, but experience, yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Off definitely. Yeah, it was so cool to be there. Just this, like I said, this iconic island that I'd read and heard and seen so much about. Unfortunately, race day, I uh, got out of the water and was sick fairly early on on the bike. I don't know if it was from the jostling around or the seawater or what happened there, but um, yeah, ended up having one of my slower races there. But it was just, it kind of shifted my mindset at the time to, okay, this is such a gift to actually be on the island, to be among these amazing athletes and to see the pro race going by in there. So kind of shifted my mindset to enjoy the experience and enjoy the day and have to come back and go after it next time. I've been there. Don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so. It's a humbling race. <laughs> so um, tell us about what, you, what you're doing now. Um, so you've got the coaching with MX Endurance and mm-hmm. you've uh, launched uh, Endurance Fit. So it's a new strength and conditioning app for triathletes and runners and endurance athletes. So give us a bit of an intro into what it is and, and how it all works. Sure. So my kind of, if I have any sporting background, it was through the strength training just through that weight loss competition and then becoming kind of fascinated with that, um, becoming a strength conditioning coach afterwards. That was my first real entry into being active and athletic. And I really saw the benefits of strength training for not only body composition, but health for confidence. It really changed my whole outlook on life. So I wanted to help others do the same there. And then eventually got into triathlon coaching for the same reason. And I found Within triathlon, there are so many benefits for endurance athletes when it comes to strength training. Your The overriding determiner of success in triathlon is consistency. If you're broken down every other month, if you've got a niggle that takes you out for a few days every other week, then you're not getting the most out of your training. So what I wanted to do is because I saw such drastic benefits in a fairly quick rise to success within triathlon, strength training had always been a part of that. And I want to help make that more accessible to more athletes. Triathlon's not a cheap sport, let's be honest. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And um, hiring someone like a strength and conditioning coach who may not understand the needs of an endurance athlete or may try to train you like, like a strength athlete and not understand that you're still swimming and biking and running and everything else in between. You only have limited time to actually get those strength benefits. I just wanted to make something that was simple and affordable for athletes to open it up they have periodized training that will fit into their triathlon training and benefit it instead of overworking them and causing injury, which is exactly 
the opposite of what we're trying to do. Mm. Um, but basically just wanted to make it affordable and easy to jump onto some strength, strength training to benefit their triathlon training. Mm. Um, we spend so much time these days sitting that I find a lot of athletes are really lacking in posterior chain activation. Mm. Glute activation is a huge one. So there's definitely a lot of emphasis on that. Um, because everyone, yeah, like I said, we just spend way too much time sitting that things get pretty tight and often glutes are a big issue for a number of athletes. So people can check it out. You can go to endurancefitapp.com um, and then you can work it off the Apple store or the Google play, or you can do it off your, your browser. Um, when I was looking through it yesterday, so if people just go in there and download it or sign up, they can basically look through sort of some of the introductory sessions. So run us through mm-hmm. how it kind of works in terms of getting access um, and just sort of checking it out and then going in the full plunge. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got, because, you know, you always want to check it out and try before you buy there. So all of the first workouts on each of the programs are open for free just to take a look around. And I have the training separated out into periodized plans. So there's an off-season plan, in-season plan. There'll be a peak performance for that last kind of four weeks just working on activation. Just to make it a little bit easier to understand what training you should be doing at what time. And like I said, first workouts always open on there. And then if you decide you like what you see in there, you can just sign up for this subscription on the main page. And I also have on there, because strength training can be fairly intimidating or confusing to start, there's always the option whether you're signed up or not for kind of a free 15-minute consultation just to find out what might work best for you with uh, taking into account your race day and kind of your, your level of expertise when it comes to triathlon training or strength training. And, and what sort of equipment, because when I was looking through it yesterday, the, the sort of core routines, um, mm. across the board, what sort of equipment are people going to need to use? Do they need to go to a gym or can they do a lot of this sort of home-based? Yeah, so a lot of it can be done at home, uh, especially if you, set, if you have a set of bands. And I find that most yeah. people have bands these days after being out of swimming pools for so long and got yeah. onto the uh, <laughs> swimming the training that way. Yeah. Exactly, Yeah. So there's variations for a ton of the workouts just to be done entirely with bands. If you've got a couple dumbbells or kettlebells, um, you can do most of it at home. If you want to bump it up into some heavier training, the gym's probably the place to go. But I offer a lot of kind of variations and different movements where it's more focused on functional movements. You don't need crazy, crazy heavy weights for the majority of it. Nice. We're going to be talking to Jenna over the next few months just about uh, the different sort of phases of training to go through. So I'd suggest you guys get on there, check it out. Um, and if, especially you Northern Hemisphere athletes, if you're in winter and you know, you're know you stuck inside, this is going to be a great time to prepare yourself for, for the season ahead. And uh, Kiwis maybe even think about it as well because our season's probably finished, just about finished, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but yeah, there's never a bad time to be doing some strength and conditioning oh, work. No. It's, it's the one piece that a lot of athletes don't do, isn't it? Yeah, I was better. Definitely. It's the first thing to go when you get tired. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I've got a few other random questions for you. The first one you yeah. may or may not be able to answer. Um, you were mentioning before you lived in Texas um, for a while, and I know Texas is a bloody ginormous state. It's probably 10, <laughs> t- 10 times the size of New Zealand. But earlier in today's show, we will have mentioned the PTO US Open, and I noticed that that's in a place called Irving in Texas. So do you know anything about Irving te- in Texas? You know what? I was about uh, seven hours the other direction from <laughs> <Right. laughs> So <laughs> No, I don't know too much about it. Although it will be hot and humid is what I'm guessing. Oh, really? Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, a bit of random stuff on nutrition. What's, what's your race morning breakfast and your sort of post-race meal? 
Ooh, good one. Yeah, so race morning, I like to go keep it pretty simple. Some oatmeal with peanut butter and maple syrup and probably an egg. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much of the thought you need some fat and carbs and uh, to go into the race day. And afterwards, it's always a big juicy burger and a beer. Just need to celebrate and enjoy and get some protein back in. <laughs> yeah. And what about during the race? What's your sort of nutrition plan for, say, either a half Ironman or a full Ironman, roughly? Mm. So I keep it fairly simple and I'm kind of cheap. So I use melted extreme powder for pretty much all of my race mixed in with some kind of electrolyte, usually a noon tablet. Mm-hmm. And I find that's just super easy to digest throughout the race day. I'll have some super concentrated on my bike and just kind of drink water every time with it. And then on the run, I'll have a little handheld again, just super concentrated mix of it and do that as I go. And then once I get to kind of halfway on the marathon, that's my switch to Coke and water, fast burning, hit a sugar, yeah. hit a caffeine and just take get that. It in you. Oh yeah. But once you start the Coke and water, you cannot stop it. Yes, <laughs> you need exactly. to have it at every single aid station or else ooh, things get sketchy. And last question I've got is any mantras you use when you're going through the race when, or, you know, how do you sort of stay on track when, when things start to get tough? Mm-hmm. So that's not the most exciting um, thing, but what I found actually really, really works well when the race is getting really hard and your head is just saying, slow down, it's time to stop here is counting. So I count my steps to eight. Yeah. That's actually where I heard it for the first time. Um, I count up to eight over and over. And I found you can't have that internal dialogue at the same time you're counting. So your body almost starts to relax into that rhythm and you don't tighten up and tense up like you do if you're, you know, having that negative internal talk in your head. He counted to 20, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah, you can only make it to eight or else I start to get distracted. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, guys. So if you want to check out um, Jenna's strength and conditioning platform, go to check out uh, endurancefitapp.com um, and all the links mm. and stuff will be on there. I'll put so, in the show notes. So. Yeah. So Jenna, thanks so much awesome. for your time and um, we'll catch up with you some stage next month or so. Sounds good. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Jumbo, your thoughts? It's great. You know, I love hearing interviews like that where people have come from a non-sporting background. And it's, um, yeah, I think it's really important for, you know, if you're a coach out there as well to, to listen carefully to what, you know, newbies go through. So, um, you know, a few learnings there for me as well always. Um, but yeah, just a cool story and getting to the top and smashing it and, um, and now, you know, set up this great platform where you can get hopefully more people doing strength and conditioning training and be more consistent. And, and, Check out her app because, to be honest, it is that one thing that a lot of athletes don't do. Mm. And, um, you know, and especially, you know, like I'm 44 now, coming up 45. Oh, God, yeah. You know, you're 45. 45, soon, five. You? yeah. Are you, are you 46 this year? Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's what happens when you hit 45. <laughs> but, you know, like, to me, one of the most founded, foundational things you need to do as you age as an athlete is your strength work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the one thing that athletes neglect. You know, we do so much, you know, aerobic training if you're not getting your strength work in, it's no. so important. So check it out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, let's go winger of the week. week. Okay, Jumbo, what are we going to do here? We're gonna go you're to choosing number, Bevan, 1 to 100. Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 40. Number 40. The reason I did was, was it was going to take, our car blew up. Did you see our new car, John? I was going to mention that. We'll I pulled the, bike, pulled the bike into the we'll uh, garage. We'll talk about yeah, that we'll later. But, but our car blew up and luckily luckily under warranty. Yeah. It's going to take four months to get a new piece 
part. Right. So we had to work your car. But anyway, 40. Uh, Roland Fuchs, he did 16 hours and three minutes of training from 19 rolling. activities. Didn't do any swimming. From Ro- rode eight hours, 22 minutes. Ran seven hours, 41 minutes. Uh, and let's see if uh, where, where's Roland's from. He's from Kandern in Bunda, Wutterberg in Deutschland. He has a private account, so that's yeah. about as much as I can tell you about Roland. Oh. But good on him for cranking out that amount of training. Oops, I've just gone to the wrong page. I wonder, we, we've never done this, but we should have. What's been the biggest week anyone's ever had in Winger of the Week? Well, we had some epic campers you usually do. Yeah, some. and we had people who have been running forever. Yeah. With that Forrest Gump guy who was just mm. running. It's probably more looking at somebody who's done the biggest month might be quite interesting. Yeah, it really would be, wouldn't it? Because mm. mm. like Steve um, Montero, he's about 28 hours this week or last week. You know, that's a good sort of week. And that's a, that's a bike tour, that is, because he's only done 26 minutes of swimming and one hour, 50 minutes of Whereas uh, Louis, biking. Good old Louis. Louis. Louis is a consistent high-level trainer. <laughs> six hours swimming, 14 hours of biking, six hours of running. Yeah. You're a machine, Louis. He really is. He's become forever too, isn't he? Mm. I love Louis. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Okay, uh, John's mm. swim set. Whoa, what do we do this morning? What do we do this morning? I had a few groans from people this morning. We did a 600 warm-up. Uh, which consisted of 200 free, 50 kick, 50 drill, and banged out of 1,000 steady. And people are like, oh, 1,000 steady? Mm, that's boring. I said, there might be an Ironman for one person here in a few weeks' time, so we've got to do a little bit of distance work. Who's on the Ironman? Uh, Tyrone. So How will Tyrone? Because Tyrone's a pretty good athlete. How would he hope to go? Yeah, well, he's a new dad now. So uh, it's all changed then. It's all changed. <laughs> it's gone downhill overnight. Yeah. So we did 1,000 steady, and then we did six 200s descend, one to three, four to six. So that's going sort of steady, moderate, hard, steady, moderate, hard, with about... We were doing them on the 320, so yeah, you sort of get 20 to 30 seconds rest. And then we did 425 sprints, 200 warm down, and I think it was 3.1 or 3.2 Ks. Now, John, we've mm. got a new section. Mm. Bevan's <laughs> book recommendation. Right. <laughs> this will be a random section that comes up occasionally. I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of books. I love consuming good content, both fiction and non-fiction. Um, but I've started reading a book called Chatter, The Voice in Our Head and How, and How to Harness It by Ethan Cross. Oh, my God, this is a brilliant book. Nice. So this guy is like um, oh, like a university professor in some high-level university. And it's, it's really about how we talk to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And one thing, I'm about a third of the way through the book, but it's mind-blowing stuff. Mm-hmm. So he talks a little bit about the inner voice and it's all about how the inner voice works for you and works against you and he talks about immersive and distance communication so immersive communication is when we talk we talk about ourselves yeah. you know like to, when we're saying I've got a problem here you know like um, let's say what's something you're stressing about right now in life uh, I'm not stressing about too much to be honest but let's no, say let's say organising next race event not okay. knowing what's going on and what we tend to do is we ruminate, don't we? When we're in a stressful place, we ruminate. You know, I, I, I like to call it kind of pushing, rewind and play on a tape recorder. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that when we get to a place where we're overwhelmed with stress, we tend to play that thought in our head, rewind it, play it over again, and we kind of get emotionally more driven or, mm-hmm. or 
not, not driven, but the emotions kind of grow or become more enhanced as we go through this experience. And what they're talking about in this book is that that's what we call immersive rumination. So it's very much using language that in, your, in a voice you use to yourself and you use words like I, so it's all about me and, and who I am. Mm-hmm. What they're discovering is if you use third or second person, so what they discovered is that when we create distance between the experience you're having and the inner voice, and this is really about the inner voice, mm-hmm. the, the, the effects are absolutely completely different. And they did this, they did this for example, so they did this thing, one of the, what's one, what do they talk about? Public speaking is one of the biggest fears people have. Mm-hmm. So they did this experiment where they get, they got all these students to come along and say, we're going to do this trial. Yeah, we're doing an experiment, you're not going to know what it is. And they walk in the room and say, okay, you are going to do a public speech in front of a, a panel of people who are judging you. Mm-hmm. You've got five minutes to prep where you go. Mm-hmm. And what they did with the first group is they just let them do it. And then the second group, they taught them about using second and third. So second and third is you might say, um, instead of saying, oh, I've got a problem here, you might say, you know, um, you're kind of more talking about you or we or mm-hmm. so it's kind of second. And third person is Bevan is trying to work through this public speech right now. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, what happened was the people who did first person or that kind of immersive talk, highly stressful, highly horrible, really negative experience that they absolutely mm-hmm. hated it. The people who used second and third were actually quite comfortable with it, went to a challenge mindset mm-hmm. and – Actually, the people who judge, those people performed a lot better. And what they're saying is that what we want to do is we want to understand when we're in an immersive place and we want to consciously switch to second and third person when we're talking. And I've been doing this a lot in the last few days because... Give us an example there. Okay, so like today at the gym, I, I do weights... Mm-hmm. three times a week and it's been my goal for the last five months to do weights three times a week mm-hmm. i haven't missed a session so i've been really successful in the goal am i awesome at pushing myself hard not like when i first started doing fitness i was a beast in the weights room i was mm-hmm. the guy where people were like fuck this guy's an absolute you know beast oh a yeah. bit of an f-bomb i think that's the second show in a row yeah, Bevan. you're letting yourself loose that's what i mean because i'm such we a have beast to, do we have to put this as explicit. an explicit show um so but that's what, you know, that's what I, I just, I had a good training partner, a good PT. Mm. I really prided myself on working hard. Nowadays, I work hard, but not like I could with cardio. Mm. You know, cardio, I can destroy myself mm-hmm. and weights sometimes. I don't, and my inner voice is I give myself permission to go off. Mm. So I was, oh, I'm finding this tough, you know. So last, since reading this book, I've been using the third person voice. So mm-hmm. this morning, I had to do some leg press. And I know I need to put like nine plates on each, each side. So probably, mm-hmm. I don't know, let's say it's about 400 kg. So I need to put that much to do the leg press. Did I know it's going to be really a stretch? That inner voice started talking myself out of it. Oh, can I be bothered this morning? Can I? Mm-hmm. Then I went to Bevan, is in a place where he's challenged by this movement. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, what it does is it creates distance from the experience you're having. And once I went to third person, mm-hmm. I just did it. Right, you know, and now this is a, a very practical implication or a practical application in an everyday thing. But I, I had a moment the other day where I was feeling insecure about something. Like as a business owner, you sometimes have insecure moments, which mm. are actually irrational, you know. Like, but you still have them. And I, I was feeling insecure, and I was using immersive self-talk, and I just went to third person. Okay, Bevan's in a moment where he's struggling with this problem he's facing right now, and as soon as I did that, I created distance. 
and I was able to let it go. And one thing they talk about is in, in the inner voice is that one thing we want to create distance. And the other ways we create distance is, for example, um, how would you think about the situation if you saw it six months from now? You know, so that kind of looking back in the past thing. Or if you were to give somebody else advice on this, what would you recommend they do? And what that's doing is it's creating distance from the, the immersive place you're in right now. Now, I'm only a third of the way through this book, mm. but the application, and, and I think later on they actually go quite into how to use these tools. So I'm just kind of picking up stuff as he's talking. Um, it's very well written, but I tell you what, you know, some I read a lot of books and then sometimes you read books and go, oh, that's a little tip I'll take. And then sometimes you get a book where you go, actually, this is life-changing. Mm. And to me, I highly recommend this book. So the what's book, the book again? It's called Chatter. It's called uh, Chatter, The Voice in Our Head and How to Harness It. And it's by Ethan Cross and it's, it's Cross with a K. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but highly recommend it. And I'm really fascinated to see, like read it mm. and see how you apply it to everyday life, but also how you apply it to your training. So for example, on Sunday, we, we at our house, we've got all the cedar we have to paint crap loads of cedar (laughs) you know it's a big job and normally on a sunday morning i go to the gym and i'll do weights in my hardest cardio session hit training 15 minutes lying on the floor five minutes Mm. afterwards trying to get my breath this sunday because we had to get cedar and i was meeting someone for like catch up at three in the afternoon i thought i'll get all my work done and then go to the gym which meant i was going to the gym already for tired tired when i got to the interval session i was in that place where you could just go you know what just half-hearted today. Mm. Went to third person talking, probably did the best one I've ever done. Mm. You know, and I'll be interested to see if you can go and learn this stuff in this book, in your training, does it actually take you to a higher level? And also, probably in performance days, does it have the ability to take you to a higher level? I'm getting distracted by your wife who sounds like she's cleaning. The siren's going off everywhere. Yeah, see, see now John needs to go, John's getting distracted. John's getting distracted. Bring your teacher back to me. <laughs> Very good. Awesome. Yeah, so highly, highly recommend. It's called Chatter. Again, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, where are we? Show notes. Okay, uh, patrons. Hey, Darren Double O Jones. I was actually watching the, I didn't get to see the James Bond movie. Oh, did you like it? I haven't. But I noticed that when I was looking at YouTube channels this morning for today's show, I saw James Bond. I can now rent it online, so I'm going to go and watch that this weekend. Good. It's, it's worth a watch. Uh, White Lightning, my old, my old roommate, yeah. White Lightning, Ian Hursley. And Richard the Stinger Ray. Good times. Okay. Uh, we also have our sponsor, Endurance Fit. So check out the app, endurancefitapp.com. And again, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. If you want to show email to you, go to iamtalk.me. Uh, patrons, go to the same place, become a patron. Thank you to all those people who are patrons. If you want a great coach, check out coachjohnnewsome.com. My podcast, bevanjamesoshow.com. Cool contents, age group of the week, cool websites and other feedback. Just email iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, your goss. What's my goss? Organised the race at the weekend. Still feeling the effects of that. So Kate, that's why I was saying Katie and yeah, a little bit tired. Um, it's always a big day, but it was good to have a race. Nice, beautiful weather. Extremely tough course, as I think I explained last week. Who were the winners? Were New Zealand champions. New Zealand champion was Hayden Squance from Nelson. He's pretty dominant. It was it was age group championships, and then Sarah McClure won the females in 
uh, first Olympic distance triathlon. And then we oh, have... Andrea Wesson? Yep, we had a short distance race as well. And Andrea Hewitt, she's now Andrea Hansen, um, won the women's race. And there's a couple of good athletes there. She smoked it. So she's looking on really good form. Uh, she's had a baby and trying to make the Commonwealth Games team. And oh, she, oh, so, oh, she is trying to make a comeback. Yeah, yeah. Realistic? Uh, very. We're making the team very risky. How, how competitive she'll be at the race, don't know. She'll be. Is that for the team's event or is that for uh, both? Well, they'll have three individuals and then two of them will get in the team's yep. mixed team relay. And then on the boys' side, it was a really close race. It would have been so brutal. There was this guy, Janice Stauffenberg and Saxon Morgan, and they just went head-to-head the whole race. And like on the run, you had this climb that was probably like 500 metres long, pretty steep. Yeah. And and then it came, then you got that towards the end of Coming the run. Back. 500 metres downhill, oh. gunning it. Oh. Probably. How much, how much after that? Oh, you've got a bit in the middle. No, so, no, no. What you oh, come after down? that, mm, 700 metres oh, to so the finish. Oh, so you beat your legs up and you got to sprint. Yeah. And there was, there was probably 20 metres between them at the bottom of the hill. Ooh. So they, uh, they, they destroyed themselves. They'll have some tired legs. Who took that out? Uh, this guy Janice Stauffenberg and those two are possibly going for the third spot on the Commonwealth Games team okay. so yeah it was good racing great it's great to have some tough courses I was speaking to a girl at Jim Alley she did the race and she mm-hmm. said it's always a bit demoralising when you look up the road and people are pushing their bike up the hill <laughs> <laughs> nice. and I go did you walk she said no I didn't I said pretty mate it was steep and on the descent on the bike you know the top guys would have been hitting over 80Ks an hour easily. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's good times. That's what I couldn't get over watching those skiers. That young girl who's doing skiing, that fast downhill Alice, stuff. Alice Cooper or yeah, something Yeah, like and that? it's not it's not the, the ski jump. It's literally just super, going down. Super G. And they go like over 120 or 30, I don't know. Yeah, no, they're gunning it. So that was, that was the weekend. And then the weekend when I was away the week before. Oh, that's right, you did the walk. When did the Tongariro Crossing. Recommend. Highly recommend it if you get a clear day. It was stunning. Why? Um, just changes in vistas all the way. It's volcanic. It's very Kona-like when you're walking up really? there on one side. And then the other side you've got, so you go through forests and waterfalls and stuff. Yeah. And just the volcanic activity, the geothermal activity. Uh, how, long, so how long does it take? It took us just under six hours with kids. Yep. And it was four hours of moving time. So okay. if, you were, if you and I were to walk it through, we'd probably do it in five. Okay, um, so it's not that crazy. And you could easily run it. It's, uh, it's Is it steep? 20 k's. It's steep in places. Yep. But with trail shoes, you could run it. And it would probably take us probably two and a half hours, oh, okay. I'd say. Okay. So highly recommend if you're up there. Didn't you do How long were you up there for? Uh, five, five days. I think. Okay. Did a few other bits and pieces. Drank some wine. What, what was your favorite food. wine? We had a winery right, we stayed on a winery at one place and we just did this huge tasting there. It was great. Bit of everything, really. Bit trolleologist? Mm, not too bad, <laughs> not too bad. So that was good times until you come back and then you got three days to completely rewrite everything for, a, for an event with all the COVID stuff in place. But hey, got to race. Not complaining. It was just quite a lot of extra admin. A lot of extra admin. Bevan, what's happening in your world? Well, we did buy a new car. Yes, I pulled into the garage today. New car sitting in the garage. First time there's ever... Being a car in yep. the garage. We, we, so here's our dilemma, John. So we we end up getting a VW T-Rock. Gone German. Well, yep. We did go German. And it's a, so we, we didn't actually want it. We wanted the the Honda. The Honda HRV. The Honda HRV. Because what you had is for the price we wanted to pay, you basically got an HRV, which is the Honda. It had all the bits. Mm-hmm. You know, your top end, yeah, all the bits and pieces that you're going to play, seated heats, leather seats, all the rest of it. Or you get the European, you know, bottom of the range. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, nice car, but 
but you know you're not going to get all the bits that come with it they got to save the European part because we, we, we could afford a little bit more and we looked at maybe the mid-range mm. and it was like 8,000 more and all you got was leather seats. <laughs> so screw that. So, so we, 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 we kind of knew the T-Rock was an option but we were going for the Honda. Mm. So we got two Hondas. There was, there was kind of two versions we looked at. We brought them up here. Pretty happy with them. Didn't fit in the garage. No, they scraped. Yeah. And it was just a little bit. With one person that didn't, Two people a little bit, but when we put all like the gears we do for the runners, yeah. <sighs> so you scraped their vehicles and then you took them back. No, we don't want them. Yeah, we did. We told we told them we were honest. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like a major scrape, but you could just hear a scrape. Yeah, it went under and it had a protection, so it wasn't a problem. But so then we're like, oh no! So then we go and get the T Rock, cleared it comfortably. Right. So that was the reason. We went. But it, it, it's actually quite a cool car. Bevan's got very. Steep angled driveway. It's just a lip. Hey, it's a just, lip. just a lip. You can't get a car. And so, as John says, we've never actually had a car. Well, we've had other people's, you know, big four wheel drives, but it's basically a small SUV. It's actually a really cool little car. Mm. But it, to be honest, I'm not gutted, but I would have rather waited six months because new models coming out in six months. Mm. But it's off at the top. It does hurt buying, you know, spend that much money. Mm, I bet it does. Yeah. I'm a, you know, like we had the money, but it's still a tight ass. Yeah. You know, so good times. Other than that, John, what's happening this weekend? Uh, nothing planned this weekend. No, we'll just a bit of time at home. I'm I'm going I'm doing my first travel away for the first couple of years. Oh. I've been to Auckland. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 So I'll probably be back. I'll probably be in <laughs> isolation next week. Yeah. Joe's really worried. She's she told me ten oh. times, Can you please put two masks on the plane? Yeah, baby. Well, yep. She keeps reminding oh, me. Gosh. Yep. So time will tell. Time will tell, John. I'm Russ. I'm in Train hard. Train smart. Kick her.